So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hello and welcome back to Pause and Connect. I'm Rebecca Brownwright and this is episode 28 called Do Our Kids Know We Like Them? Now this comes about because I was looking over my notes for podcast ideas and I came across two sentences. They, they said, I like you just the way you are. Do we show through our actions that we truly love our kids? Now, I didn't leave myself any other notes, so I don't really know what I was thinking when I wrote that down at the time. But when I read them, oh, it hit me. I stopped and I had to think about that, about those questions. Here, here they are again. I like you just the way you are. Do we show through our actions that we truly love our kids? I wonder, do my kids know that I like them just the way they are? Or do they think that they need to change in order to receive my approval or my love? I don't know for sure. I don't think any of us can know for sure because we don't know what's really going on in our children's minds. But as I thought this through, I definitely want my kids to know that I like them just the way they are. I definitely want them to feel through my actions that, that I love them unconditionally. I definitely want that. So I came up with 11 things that I would personally like to make sure that I'm doing to show my kids that I like them just the way they are. Now, after you listen, I would love to hear from you about how you do this in your family. How do you make sure your actions show that you love your child just as they are? You can send me a DM on Instagram at pause and connect. Um, That's a great way to get in touch with me. Okay. Here are my 11 ideas to, to these, these are 11 ideas of things to work on to make sure that our kids know them. We like them just the way they are. The first one is an easy one to start right this second. You can do it the very next time you see your kid. And it is to light up when your child enters the room. Be happy to see them. When they come running to carpool, put your phone down and look at them with a smile. When they walk into the room, look at them, give them a smile. Oh, hi, sweetie. I love you. Like just greet them as if it is the most exciting thing that they're here. Um, Just imagine how good that would feel if someone lit up with a huge smile when you walked into the room. Wouldn't you feel welcome, loved, appreciated, wanted? Now, this is a small thing we can do, and it's it's one of those things that we can train ourselves to do. We can train ourselves to remember, oh, my kid walks into the room, give him a smile. Hi, sweetie, you know? And it really, I think it would really make a difference. Uh, okay, number two. My second idea is to listen to your instincts to connect. Now, I'm in- including this because my husband did this so beautifully for me the other day, and it made me want to pay more attention to my own instincts about my kids and my husband and to follow through with those instincts. So what happened was he was downstairs cooking breakfast and I was upstairs getting ready for the day. And something, I was I was just alone up there and something reminded me of my grandma who passed away a little over a year ago. And I just started to get lonely and sad and I was missing her. And then a few minutes later, my husband came up And he's like, I was cooking breakfast and I was just thinking about you. And I just want you to know I love you. I mean, how perfect is that moment? Now he had the instinct 
because he was letting his mind wander because he loves me. But the cool thing is that he followed through when his mind wandered to me. He came upstairs. He stepped away from what he was doing. He was thinking a, a thought about me and he came up and he told me that thought. And the timing on that was perfect. And I think that we have that ability as parents. We're connected to our children. So we're entitled to inspiration about them. And as we think, as we let ourselves think about them, we can feel prompted to connect in very specific ways that they need in a moment. Now, this suggestion isn't really one of those like how-tos. You can't really identify exactly how to do this because it's it's more, it's on a different level. It's spiritual, it's instinctual, it's, it's, it's something else. But I do believe that as we let ourselves think about our children, we can be inspired to important ideas, to personalized ideas on how to communicate what they need in a moment. I don't think this is one of those things that's going to happen every hour of the day. It's, it's, It's just not, but I do think it's a power that we can learn to tap into as we become more conscious of it. When we have a positive thought about our kid, we can go and tell them. And as we practice that, we're going to get better at at feeling that inspiration about our kids and following through on it. My third idea for how to demonstrate to your child that you love them just the way they are is to hug them. If they'll let you, of course, not every child likes to be hugged or touched, but for those that do hug them more. Find more excuses to hug and touch them. So when you're walking past them, uh, just as they're doing their homework or something, pat pat their head or kiss their cheek. Give them a high five when they hop out of the car instead of just waving goodbye. I mean, there's nothing wrong with waving goodbye. But if we're looking for areas where we can add more touch and more hugs, just look at look at your when you when you greet them, when you say goodbye, when you're walking past them, and try and try and add a little touch or a little hug. Um, you know, stop what you're doing sometime and go give them a hug and then get back to what you're doing. Like my husband did for me. Just really just whenever, right? Make space for hugs in your life. Hugs kind of drop away as kids get older. So, you know, like when, when you're, when they're little, you're, you're hugging them all the time or you're touching them all the time because you're, you're changing diapers and you, you pull them up and you give them a kiss on the cheek or you're, you're uh, wiping, wiping something off of their cheek after they've been eating and you might kiss their forehead as you walk away. Like there's, there's so much more when kids are little because we're in each other's space all the time. But as kids get older, we're not in their space all the time. And so the hugs kind of drop away. So this is a good thing to be conscious of and to try and do more of. And I talk a lot more about this in my episode called you should use you should use hugs in your discipline and I'll link to that episode in the show notes cuz it's really helpful. My fourth idea is to show interest in what your child is interested in. So, this is an obvious way to show your child that you like them just the way they are, right? But <laughs> it can be a hard thing to do. Uh, sometimes the things that our kids are interested in are just not that interesting to us. I remember when my oldest was reading this book series, your your kids might have read it too. It's called Warriors. It's about cats that can talk and they have these intricate civilizations. They walk on two legs. They it's it's like this whole world and there's like a hundred books. I don't know how many they are, but there are so many of them. And she would try and explain it to me. Um it, she just loved talking about it and it was so boring to me. Now, looking back, I realize I did a really terrible job at listening to her. So this is a tip that I'm recognizing I really need for myself. I really need to work on this one because it's so easy to show interest in a hobby or skill that you also share. You know, like I play the piano, so it's so easy for me to sit down next to my kids while they're practicing and to just listen to them. 
one kid is taking drum lessons and another is taking the, the guitar. And I don't know how to play those instruments, but because I love music, it's so easy to look at their music and ask them questions, you know, like how, how do you know which stick to use on, on this measure? I don't, cause I don't know how to do that, but I'm really interested because I love music so much, you know, so it's so easy to get involved in what they're doing. I like to take walks. And so it's so easy to take a walk with a kid who likes to take a walk. But warrior cats or Pokemon, <laughs> these are not interesting to me. And so I don't do as good of a job at paying attention to those things. I just need, I need to do better here. And I think one way I can do better <laughs> is to actually listen when they're talking to me about their passions. Because here's the thing. When I start hearing about the language of the warrior cats or why these ones walk on two legs and these ones walk on four legs, like, uh, I just tune out. I go to some place in my brain where, you know, maybe I have a, a challenging problem to solve or maybe I have something interesting to plan and I just kind of stay there in my brain instead of listening about the warrior cats. So in the end, I don't even really hear about these talking warrior cats. And who knows, maybe I would have been super interested if I had actually focused on what my child was saying and not on, you know, maybe a mental packing list for an upcoming vacation, right? Well, maybe not, but maybe, maybe it would have been interesting to me. But even if it wasn't, I could have done a better job at listening so that my child knows that I care about what they care about. So my goal is to tell my brain that this is listening time the next time a child starts to talk to me about something that doesn't initially interest me. And you know, it's okay if I don't ever like warrior cats or Pokemon, like that's okay. But I can do a better job at showing interest and, and listening, actively listening when they're talking to me. Um, let me know how you do this better. You, you, might, you might be really, really fantastic at at this specific thing on showing interest at what your kids are interested in. And if you are, please send me a DM on Instagram and let me know because that would be really helpful. Okay. My fifth idea for showing your child, you like them just the way they are is to put your phone down. <laughs> ah, this is so hard. And it probably relates to my previous tip because I admit I did some social media scrolling when those warrior cats were being discussed. And that really helped me to, to zone out and not hear my child. But really, you know, we know this. We know we shouldn't be on our phone when our kids are trying to have our attention. We we know it, but it's so hard. And like, let's please embrace how hard it is because this is this is a modern parenting challenge. We're all gonna struggle with it again and again. It, but it's still worth mentioning that we should be more aware of our phone time and try to set it down when our kids are around. So I have a few tips for this, uh, but this is not an exhaustive list because I'm still working on this and still looking for more tips. So again, please send me some tips. But one thing that helps me is to say out loud what I'm doing when I pick up my phone. So I might pick up my phone and say, hey kids, I just give me one minute, I need to answer this text. And what that helps me do is it helps me avoid switching over to Instagram or Facebook or TikTok after I finish reading the text, you know, or it helps me just do that one thing. And sometimes my kids keep me accountable. Like, mom, I thought you were just going to send a text, you know? So sometimes that helps. Not always. None of these help all the time, but they do help sometimes. Another thing that helps is to set the phone down on the counter where I can still hear if I get a text, but where it's out of reach during whatever activity we're doing. And I ask, those are, those are my two ideas. I do not have many ideas, but I ask for ideas on Instagram. And these are some of the things that were shared that I thought were helpful. So uh, one person said, the only way I do a good job at staying off my phone is putting it in another room. And I think that's, that's smart. You know, like I don't, why do I need it next to me when I'm watching TV with my kids? I don't, right? Like that's, that's silly. So I'll put it in another room. Another person said, setting screen time on most used apps. 
that's smart. I've, I've done that before you, your phone lets you set how long you want to be on your apps. Um, and, and it gives you a reminder to, to get off that app. Um, sometimes I ignore the reminder, but sometimes it helps. Uh, another person said no phones or tablets at the dinner table. That's a really, really good rule. Another one is similar to another one. It says, I use my phone's built-in system to set app timers and a focus time with no apps. I thought that one was good. And then this one was one that I've never heard before, and I really loved it. And she said, I know other things that I'd rather be doing. So I'll have a list of things I need to do and things I want to do. And I just make myself get started on one of those. So I thought that one was really smart. I'm going to start trying that because I think I gravitate to the phone when it feels like I have nothing I need to do. So I have a few minutes, there's nothing pressing. And so I, I, I pick up my phone. So if I have my list of needs or my wants, it would be easier to set the phone down, right? You know, and, and I can even put like play a game with my kids as a want. And so I could put like a a way to connect with my kids on my list or my my mental list or an actual physical list. And then when I want to pick up the phone, I can refer back to that list and be like, oh yeah, I actually have something that I want to do here. So I'm going to go do that instead. So I thought that was a really good tip. Um, but anyway, I'm still working on it and it's okay if we're all still working on it. I think we need to have some grace for ourselves, because no other parenting generation has had smartphones alongside them as they're parenting their kids. Nobody has done this before. We are all figuring this out for ourselves with no good examples. So we'll get there. Let's be patient with ourselves. Okay. My sixth idea for showing your child you like them just the way they are is to withhold criticism. Now, criticism doesn't make anybody do better or feel better. It just doesn't. Well, I kind of take that back because I think for the person doing the criticizing, there's like um, there's like a temporary shot of dopamine or something. There's this, this temporary flood of good feelings, or maybe not good feelings, but satisfying feelings to point out something wrong with somebody else. It, it's, it really is. I think that, that, that we have that. I don't know. I didn't look this up before, but, but it just just from experience and from other people, I, I think that we kind of, like we, we kind of get a little jolt of satisfaction when we can criticize something. Um, it's kind of nice to tell your child that they're getting too upset when they're yelling at you. It's kind of nice to be like, stop, you're getting upset, you know, um, or that, Hey, you could get an A if you would just, or you would look better if you would just, you know, like these things kind of are satisfying in the moment, but, uh, and I think we're all prone to it, but it's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it. So we all need to work on training ourselves to not spout those things off anymore um, because it tears our kids down. We can correct a behavior without criticizing. We can notice the thing that we want to criticize, but we can and still correct it, but do it without criticizing. So like, here's an example. We, We can try hugging. We can empathize with our kids' emotions. We can talk things out in a way where our kids draw the conclusions that we're trying to get them to draw. Um, but we don't have to criticize to do that. So for example, let's say your child hits their sibling. You might want to yell at them and tell them that was wrong. And why, why do you, and you know, like this, this is true. Like we want to just kind of keep going sometimes. And it's, it's okay to admit that, you know, like, like why, why would you do that? Why would you hurt your child or your, your sibling? Why would you, why would you even want to do this? You know, like, like that criticism, it, it just kind of is satisfying. We want to say it. Okay. So it's okay. Like acknowledge that you want to, but now let's replace that with something else. So instead, after you've 
console the child who was hit. So go to that child first and make sure they're okay. Then go and hug the child who did the hitting, which that's so counterintuitive and it's countercultural, but do it, okay? Because it's going, if they'll accept hugs, of course, always, I'm going to put that caveat there, if they'll accept hugs. Because what that's going to do is show them that like, you still love them and we are still, we're going to figure this out together. And then empathize with them by saying, you must have been really frustrated when you hit your sibling. Let them feel your calm so that they can calm down themselves. Okay. You don't have to criticize them to get them to behave better. You can calm them and love them through connection to help them regulate themselves because when they hit, they were not regulated. So this is a way to help them regulate. Then after all of that, they're calm, they're regulated. Then you have your conversation about hitting. Then you state your boundaries. Sometimes you might have to state the boundaries like immediately, like, Hey, we don't hit and remove them. And then you go through this process. Um, the boundaries, you can state those whenever you need to is what I'm trying to say. But, but, uh, but the, the part that we tend to dismiss and forget is the hugging and the connecting because we kind of want to punish. We kind of want to make them feel bad for what they've done. So state the boundaries, have the conversation about hitting, make sure you're, you're saying it's not okay to hurt another person's body. That, that is for sure something that needs to be said, but then provide alternatives. Um, so instead we can hit a pillow, we can go get a parent, we can walk away, teach those skills, you know, teach those skills once they are calmed down because you've already hugged them. You've already empathized with them. They understand that you like them, that you love them. They're not fighting against you anymore. And that's when you're teaching. So then, Hey, next time you feel this way, what are some things you can do? Can you hit a pillow? Can you get a parent? Can you walk away? Then ask how to make it right, right now, because there's still a sibling who's who's hurt, right? There's still a sibling whose feelings are hurt. Even if, if they're not physically hurt anymore, they're still hurt. So maybe that after all of this, then your child can come up with a way to say sorry, to draw a note, to give a hug, something like that. So at any rate, this, this, is, this is a way to handle a situation without criticizing your child for their behavior, right? And this can really happen. What I've just described, this, this calm connection, this calm repair, it can really happen when you focus on connecting with your child, with, on empathizing with your child, and on teaching your child once they are regulated, instead of on criticizing or punishing your child. Okay, so it's, it's a different mindset than what traditional parenting has taught us. Traditional parenting tells us to come in and swoop in with a consequence, with a punishment to make sure that the child learns their lesson. What we're going to do is reject that. We are not going to criticize. We are not going to moralize or try and teach a lesson in the moment. We're going to connect. We're going to empathize. We're going to try and understand what's going on with our child and figure out what skill they're lacking. We're going to have a conversation with them. We're going to state our boundaries. We're going to say we don't hit. We don't use our body to hurt another person's body. We're going to provide alternatives. These are the things you can do instead. And we're going to ask our child to figure out how to make it right. How can you repair this with your sibling? How can you say sorry? What can you do? How can you make this better? This can really, really happen. And I teach about this in my course, How to Stop Yelling. This, When you use the tactics that I teach in my course, this becomes real life. Over time, this is what your life looks like instead of the criticizing and the yelling. Connecting instead of criticizing or yelling really works. Now I will link to the course in my show notes. And then in the day to day, you know, just the regular stuff, your child hasn't hit somebody. They're not doing anything horribly terrible. 
Um, make sure you're not criticizing them. Don't criticize the way they stand, the clothes they wear, the things they're interested in, the neatness of their homework. Remember what Thumper teaches us in Bambi. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Now, yes, I hear some of you saying, but I have to, I have to teach. I have to teach my child. And sometimes that's not nice, right? Sometimes we have to point out what they've done and, and that's not going to feel nice. And that's true. You're still the parent. You still need to teach. You still need to provide boundaries and sometimes correct, but you don't have to do it with criticism. You don't have to say you're so sloppy. Look at your homework. You can say, you don't even have to call attention to it. You can just teach the skill. Let's have some handwriting practice or let's, let's whatever. I'm talking off the cuff here, so I, I don't have a, uh, an example like thought of ahead of time, but you can teach a skill instead of criticizing, or you can connect instead of criticizing. Okay, my seventh idea for showing your child that you like them just the way they are is to be a detective. Find out what your child loves, what lights them up. Notice it, write it down if you need to, and then find ways to bring more of it into your life and their life. So that could be simply talking about it more or listening to your child talk about it. <laughs> warriors, cough, 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 warriors. <laughs> that could be setting aside time to watch your child do something they love. Maybe you say tonight after dinner, I want to watch you practice gymnastics or on Saturday, I want you to show me your 10 favorite Pokemon cards. And okay, now that I said that, I have to do it. So I'm going to say that very thing to my seven-year-old. I'm going to sit down and face the Pokemon cards, friends, so wish me luck. But the idea is to be on the lookout for noticing what your child loves and then make time for it in your life too. And as I anticipate the Pokemon discussion that awaits me, know that I realize what I'm suggesting here is not always easy. <laughs> Remember, it's easy to share if your child loves the same things that you love. It's not so easy if you're not interested in their interests. And that's okay. But be a detective and find out what they like and bring it into your life in some small way. Because how good would that feel for your child? They'll definitely know that you like them and that you love them because you're showing interest in what they're interested in. And you're, you're doing it you're being a detective and figuring it out. All right, my eighth idea for showing your child you like them just the way they are is to discipline with connection. This means that when your child is melting down or disobeying, you're not thinking about how to make them stop. You're not thinking about how to control them and the situation. No, you're thinking about how to connect right now. How can I connect with my child right now? So when they're throwing their toys across the room, you're not thinking about putting in them time, putting them in time out as a way to control the situation. You're thinking, how can I connect? and you're noticing that they look frustrated. You're having empathy for that frustration and you're going over to them with that empathy and a hug if they'll allow it. And you're planning to stay right there with them for as long as it takes to calm them down and figure out what's going on. Now, again, this does not mean you're letting them get away with bad behavior. There's still boundaries and you can state your boundaries as you're doing this, but it simply means you're going to recognize that their behavior is communication about a need. And you're going to figure out that need with empathy, connection, and patience. So you're not going into the situation intent on teaching them a lesson. You're intent on communicating that you're there and you're going to figure this out right alongside them. This is just a little crash course in this concept, but my course, again, How to Stop Yelling, teaches this concept step by step. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes. You might want to check it out. All right. My ninth idea for showing your child that you like them just the way they are is to say sorry when you need to. Just think what a gift you're giving to your child by saying sorry when you mess up and how you treat them. Because I mean, we've all had people who don't tell us sorry. Authority figures, organizations, our spouses, we've all had people who don't tell us sorry, sorry and it feels terrible, right? So 
give that gift to your child and apologize when you need to. So let's say that you yell or you send them to their room when it would have been better to talk to them and figure out what's going on, okay? Because we're all going to do that. Once you've calmed down, go to them and apologize. Say, I'm sorry. I, I, should have, I should have listened to you better when you were trying to tell me how you were feeling and I got overwhelmed and I sent you to your room instead. And I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that, period. And that's good. That's great. How nice would that be to get an apology like that if you were a child? No, um, they, they need to know that they aren't responsible for our blowups. If we apologize when we're in the wrong, then they get that message. They don't have to walk around feeling ashamed when we're the ones who did the messing up. And be willing to hear their feedback. If they tell you they don't like when you talk to them a certain way, or you don't like when you do a certain thing, hear them and say sorry, because their feedback is valuable. Maybe you can't change what you're doing, but you can still recognize that this, this is hard for them and you're going to work on it. I have a kid who takes almost anything as criticism, even when it's not. Um, I know a lot of people have a kid like that. And this can be hard to handle um, because they get their, their I, I don't want to say they get their feelings hurt because that makes it seem like it's their choice. Um, their, their feelings just do get hurt. And that's something that they struggle with. And um, it's hard for me sometimes because I just, I just want to, I just want to be able to say what I need to say without it sounding like a criticism to them. Right. But if they felt that something was criticism, then that's valid. If, if they are hurt, then that's valid. So I can apologize and I can accept that their feelings are, are acceptable. Um, I, I don't have to, I, I don't have to, you don't have to grovel. I, I can just say, Oh, sweetie, I'm really sorry that, that, that the way I said that hurt your feelings, that must not have felt good. You know, that's, that's all you don't, you're not groveling and it's, it's honoring their challenge and it's showing that their challenge means something to you. And over time, they're going to begin to see the distinction in tone and, or they're going to learn how to ask for clarification and you can teach those skills so that they're not always feeling hurt by things that you say, and they won't take everything as criticism forever. But for now, we can recognize it hurts them and we can apologize and then teach them how to move forward. All right. My 10th idea for showing your child you like them just the way they are is to love yourself. Oof. <laughs> this is a hard one sometimes, isn't it? But it's really hard to show unconditional love to someone else if you don't love yourself, right? So this is something that we all need to work on, loving ourselves. But of course, nothing as easy as saying, oh, just love yourself, <laughs> right? So I'm not I'm not fooling myself thinking this is easy, but taking the time to work on yourself, to educate yourself, to go to therapy, to work on forgiving yourself, to work on unlearning harmful thought patterns, to work on learning healthy thought patterns. All of this is good for you and good for your child and your relationship with your child. And I have an episode on this. Episode 20 is called, what advice would you give to new parents? In that episode, I talk about how the best advice I can think to give to new parents is to become a student of yourself. Because in the process, you're going to learn to love yourself. Now, if this is something you feel stuck on, give that episode a listen. I will link to it in the show notes as well. And my final idea for showing your child you like them just the way they are is to develop compassion for your enemies. <laughs> I'm serious here. Now, this is a hard one. And when I say enemies, I'm thinking about maybe groups of people that you feel it's impossible to understand. That's a lot. There's a lot of that right now. We're living in a very divisive culture right now. So... Maybe, maybe these aren't like your mortal enemies, but these are, this is a group of people that you just don't get, right? 
Maybe it's someone in a different profession, a different political party, a different religion, something like that. So as I'm, as I'm speaking about this, have you, is somebody coming up, a person or a group of people? Because here's a scary question. What if your child grows up to affiliate with that group or person? What if they choose to adopt those ideals that you find so horrible? If you have anger or hatred for that group or person right now, how is that going to affect your relationship if your child grows up to affiliate themselves with that thing that you have anger or hatred for? Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not saying your child is going to grow up and become indoctrinated in some dangerous situation, some dangerous group of people. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if you're holding hatred or fear for a group of people, it could make it difficult for you to accept your child as they are and to show them total love for who they are. Because no matter what, your child is going to make choices that you don't like. If you want them to know that you love them no matter what, you're going to have to have compassion for those choices. This is actually essential. And so right now you can practice and this is going to make the world a better place, right? The better that we can love other people, it's going to be a better place. And this is going to help your child too. So work on finding compassion for people who are involved in something that you can't stand right now. Now, even if your child never chooses that thing, and hopefully they don't, because that would be really hard, right? Still, you will have learned to have compassion for something that seemed impossible. And that's going to extend to your child and whatever they throw you at you in the future. Now, this is a tough one, and I'm working on it as we speak, because there are people in my life who have been deeply hurtful to me because they disagree with ideals I hold. And if I'm being honest, I find their ideals to be immoral and absolutely reprehensible. But it doesn't help me or my parenting to keep walking around as if I have the high ground right? I don't have the high ground, even though it sometimes feels like I do. I don't because I'm learning to see people's unkindness in new lights. So for example, try this on for size, okay? I think everyone operates under some sort of fear to some extent. So I've been trying to look at those people who have been so cruel to me and think about what are they afraid of? And I can see it pretty clearly when I ask myself that question, what are they afraid of? I can see what they're afraid of. I don't have the same fear as them, but I can recognize they have that fear. When I can see their fear instead of the hatred they're spewing at me, then I have compassion for them. So I think of those horrible things they say, they say to me, and I think they're afraid instead of they're a jerk. That helps, okay? I recognize they're afraid of something and that they're taking it out on me with hatred. It's not fair. It's not fair, but I now understand where they're coming from. For some reason, they've the I might be a symbol of the things they fear, and so it's easy for them to hate me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to brunch with these people anytime soon. <laughs> Probably never. But when I see that they're just afraid, well, then I can have compassion for their fear. Even if I don't agree with their fear, even if I think their fear is stupid, I can still have compassion because they're somebody who's afraid and they're so afraid that they're being hurtful to me. That's, that's a deep fear, right? And that compassion extends to my kids right now because I'm practicing this right now. So when my kids are stomping at me and screaming about screen time rules, let's say, I can use that compassion because they're upset. They're, they're afraid. They're afraid they're not going to get the screen time that they think they deserve. And it's going to extend to my kids when they bring home a boyfriend or girlfriend I don't like, because that could happen. When they join a club that I have an issue with, when they have religious or political ideals I don't agree with, I'm going to be more ready to handle that 
because I've had the practice of finding compassion for my enemies. I've had the practice of trying to see that my enemies, I don't even like calling them my enemies, but that's just the term that kind of makes sense here. But trying to have compassion for these people who don't like me, trying to have compassion for them and see them as people who are afraid, that helps me to have compassion for my children and see their fears or see their worries, see their their concerns. And as they grow up and they make decisions that I don't love, I'm going to be able to see where they're coming from just a little bit easier. So I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be easy for a second, but this practice is helpful. It's not a surefire bet, but it's also not going to hurt me, right? It's not going to hurt me to have compassion for people who are jerks to me. (laughs) Uh, Let's rephrase that. Like I just said, they're not jerks. They are afraid and they're treating me in horrible ways because of their fear. But as long as I keep my boundaries and I don't continue to allow them to contact me with hate, or I don't continue to engage with them as they, as they're hurtful to me, then, then I'm okay. Right. I can, I can have compassion for them. I don't have to spend time with them and I'm not going to be hurt by that, by learning compassion for them. That compassion is so important. It really is. And it's lacking in our world right now. So I know that as I'm working on it with people who have been unkind to me, that it's going to help me love my children as they are, even when I don't agree with their choices. So those were my 11 ideas. I'd love to hear your ideas for how to show your children you love them no matter what send me a DM on Instagram at pause and connect. And please leave a positive review if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for being here. You're doing such good work. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.